Hey folks, and tonight's episode is brought to you by YesPleaseVintage.com. If you're in the States and a fan of vintage and upcycled housewares and clothing, give YesPleaseVintage.com a check for clothing, jewelry, homeware, and some really awesome finds. So go check them out now at YesPleaseVintage.com. And currently, if you spend over $60, you get free shipping on all orders. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Asian Cinema Film Club. I'm your host as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is the professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 58. <laughs> I don't know if that's a magic number, mate, I've just decided it is. Just need to reinforce the 58 for some reason there, Stephen. Uh, well, yeah, you know me, I've been saying this since episode 4. <laughs> I can't believe we've got this far. <laughs> um... Tonight we're looking at Project A from 1983, the Hong Kong martial arts classic starring and directed by Jackie Chan alongside Samuel Hung and Yang Biao. And that's obviously what we're going to be discussing as our feature presentation tonight. But before we obviously get to that, it's of course time to ask what you've been watching. And Stephen, since the last show, what has been holding your interest, if anything? Well, it is something this week. So I've got a couple of films I've watched um, that I'd like to share with you and our, and our delightful audience. Um, firstly, a film which I've reviewed uh, for com, which I don't know by the time this goes out will be published and archived probably but um it's um an animation which isn't normally my cup of tea a um chinese animation white snake which is yet another adaptation of the of the legend of white snake which is like one of the sort of the top four chinese old sort of, i guess fairy tales um it's been adapted a million times i guess for our audience they might be familiar with choi hark's green snake yes i'm um, starring uh, maggie chung and joey wong wong joey wong joey wang same person um and vincent Zhao. and i think there was uh, which which took the story and looked at it through a, a different protagonist's eyes and I think there was a version with Jet Li and Charlene Choi a few years ago, one of these sort of horrendous 3D affairs that China liked to pump out, just like Hollywood did for a bit. So this is a retelling of the story. Now, the story has been retold and reinvented and rethought so many times it doesn't really matter if it doesn't match the original <laughs> the original tale anymore um what i will say is it's absolutely beautiful um it's it's a really really good looking it's cgi animation as everything is these days but it's got a really brilliant visual style um it's been reimagined as a bit of a sort of an action adventure film and it's the story is fine but the character works really good and like i said the animation and the visuals are excellent um there's some weird shit going on where i wonder who's the audience for this because um so some this there's, there's, it's, it's a little bit gory in in for, for too, it's too gory for a kid's film and there's a weird fox demon character who's a bit prepubescent sexy if you know what i mean yeah um you know, not and it's, but not not in a, you know, you know. I know we get used to this in anime, but this is a Chinese film, or it's sort of Chinese American. It's um, funded by Chinese 
branch of Warner Brothers. So it's got quite a Disney feel to it, as opposed to maybe a, an anime or a classic China, Chinese um, animation. But yeah, I thought it was really good. It's a bit basic, not sure the audience is. I think it's just come out in Blu-ray over here now. Um, but it's well, well worth a watch if you if you get to find it on a streaming service or pick up a blue blu-ray for christmas or something like that it's i basically when i got asked to review it my heart sank because i after the mulan debacle i thought oh god can't i just leave well enough alone with good stuff hmm. but this this is fairly good um the other thing is um funnily enough <coughs> um you and some of the others were talking about um, Kiyoshi Kurosawa films, uh, particular Cure and Pulse, and I watched his latest. Well, I think it's his latest. Well, it's a couple of years old now. But um, before we vanish, okay. Um, it's a. How shall I describe it? It's like um, Kiyoshi Kurosawa's version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, basically, three aliens come to Earth and inhabit the bodies of three Japanese people and sort of experience life through these bodies in preparation for their eventual invasion of the planet Earth. Um, and it's kind of measured. It's absolutely hilarious in places, but it's very totally quite quiet. I mean, it, it's it's classic Koishi Kurosawa, and I'm I, deliberately call him that to differentiate from from akira kurosawa yeah. which would be a completely different sort of film um yeah really i really really enjoyed it i can see why some people might have a hard time getting into it um it's not you know it's not classic sci-fi it's not really <coughs> horror or there are moments of sci-fi and horror in it there are um and there's some, uh, you know, it's, it's a very cerebral, okay, yeah, it's a cerebral, it's an art house version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> um, but really good, really well acted. Like I say, some belly laughs in there that are uh, amazing. Um, and as as with Kurosawa's films, you know, it's he's very interested in the notion of self and what makes us human. Um, so obviously this sort of Invasion of the Body Snatchers sort of trope absolutely feeds into that. Um, these aliens can take emotions away from people to um, uh, to understand them. So you know, basically, they go to you and they'll take love yeah. away from you, so you don't feel love anymore. But they will now understand love, and so as they dehumanize people around them, they become more human. Um, and 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 the when the invasion happens things don't necessarily go to plan but yeah really really good um but just be aware anyone who's sort of planning to pick it up it, you know it's a it's a it's a kurosama film um it's not going to be uh, sort of a thousand miles an hour um but very very similar in in tone and themes to uh, the film we did a few years before creepy which i really enjoyed as well basically i enjoy all his films and i'm gonna have to bring one to the show soon so you can enjoy it as well so they're they're, they're, they're the main two things i can think of and um, what about yourself 
Well, I mean, just touching obviously your last pick there. I mean, obviously, it's always exciting to hear another take on the body snatchers premise. I mean, there's certainly been a few over the years, even though we tend to dwell on the 50s version and then the 70s version when we think of like the body snatchers movie. We don't ever think of like the Abel Ferrara version, uh, which is really, really, really good. Um, there's also the sort of cashing ones, such as like the Puppet Masters, which I watched recently for the. 31 Days of Halloween, which is also really cool as well. So I'm always down for another twist on the tell. Um, so there'll be definitely one now I have to give a, a check out. Um, kicking things off, though, for myself, I watched a couple of things. Um, most importantly, I mean, Parasite is now available on Amazon Prime. So I will eventually be getting around to watching that because I was hoping to watch my recent vacation, but that didn't happen. So it will be something I will hopefully watch by uh, next episode and finally be caught up, I think, on everything I've missed recently. So, um, But uh, something old to start off with, and that's the classic anime Lily Cat. Uh, cat's about C dot A dot T. Because um, it's a... What's the word for that? Algorithm? Ac- acronym. Acronym. <laughs> Thank you. Glad one of us is awake today. Um... <laughs> But yeah, uh, Little Cat's one that if you watched a lot of anime in like the late 90s, you probably would have seen this one coming through quite a lot because it was quite popular on sort of like the sci-fi channels, anime blocks, and um, bringing it up and certainly in some of the groups we hang out in, such like Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, um, it got a lot of people excited. But basically it's um, a play on Alien and The Thing as a crew of uh, Deep Space uh, Shadow find themselves being hunted by a disease that basically uh, can infect them and take over their bodies and at the same time we also have a rogue cyborg um, amongst the crew as well which may may or may not be manipulating the mission uh, but I won't reveal which of them is it the cyborg I'll say that surprise for you uh, but no I mean it's a fun little anime it doesn't last going particularly long and um, as I said this is from 87 so you get that real fun sort of classic anime sort of styling there everything sort of hand-drawn and got that nice visceral feel to it um, at the same time there is a lot of exposition in places and to the point where you think that uh, you stumbled into an anime version of Fallen Skies. I mean, that show loved exposition and had certain characters that just turned up just to spout exposition, like Kochi's the alien. Did you ever watch Fallen Skies? Don't think so. Okay, it's one of the shows. I, rec- I recognise the name. It's sort of in the um, sort of in the X Files pomp. Yeah. It's basically in this like um, World War Three, but we're fighting aliens, and you've got this history teacher who's kind of leading the human revolution. Um, against the alien uprising, um, yeah. Like it's, v, uh, then. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like V, but um, kind of like uh, with that sort of Walking Dead sort of grime, where they're constantly on the move. Um, had Noah Bombarch in it of ER fame and the Librarian movies. So, but um, it's one of those shows I watched. Like I think I watched all the seasons, and I got to like the last four episodes. I thought I'm just bored of this and didn't watch it. So. Eventually, I will go back and finish that because it's on Netflix. But no, um, Lily Cat is really a fun little anime to check out. Um, definitely, it's not particularly heavy, even though there's some, a couple of fun, gruesome bits in there. It's nothing particularly heavy. It's not like Legend of the Overfiend grotesque or anything like that. On the more classier side of things, I finally got to check out Lily Wang's uh, 2019 film, The Farewell. One of your favourites, Stephen? Wow, made it made it to my list, didn't it? Yeah, mm. um, I, and I hope you enjoyed it. 
Yeah, for myself, I mean, it really brought to mind the likes of Goodbye Lenin and Ang Lee's The Wedding Banquet. Um, this idea of, you know, a touching, this touching tale of a family coming together to pull off a big con and hide the fact that the matriarch has terminal cancer, um, which they do under this guise of this un- impromptu wedding. It's, in turn, it's both in parts, like, both equally moving and hilariously funny at the same time. And Aquafina is a complete revelation I think you said yourself when we talked about this film before um, it's a performance quite unlike anything we've seen from her where we got used to her playing sort of like the wacky psychic and here she's gets to do flex a sort of dramatic muscle really in the leading role which is just really kind of nice to see so and she learned Mandarin for it <laughs> I mean because cause she's, um, she's sort of American Korean isn't she she's Chinese Korean yeah, but yeah, but, legend, but apparently she learned she learned Mandarin. Mm, role. Yeah, amazing. I, I I just struggle with it when I when we talked about it before. Is is it a is it is it an Asian film? I know you know I know there are Asians in it and and faces not just Aquafina but there's other people that you recognise around the place around the film and and Lily Wang is I think she's Asian American as well. Um, so it, it did feel a little. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's a remarkable piece of filmmaking. But I just wondered if was it more of a, an American fish out of water film than a Chinese film? And I think at the end they decided it was a variation film. <laughs> well, this is the thing I was, I was like thinking of myself. But as I said, it's an Asian cast with an Asian crew, and they're speaking predominantly Mandarin throughout the film. I mean, there's only sporadic bits of English, mainly when the you have characters in America. The rest of the time, it's all spoken in Mandarin. And for myself, it feels very much shot like. Uh, like an Asian film, it's the same as when you look at Ang Lee's films, and he does his foreign language cinema with things such as like the Wedding Banquet and Pushing Hands and uh, Lost Caution. They're very different in the style to his Western films he does, and things like The Hulk and Brokeback Mountain. And I find it's very much the same with uh, with this film. So I would certainly class this as being perfectly acceptable to class as a piece of Asian cinema, and for us to talk yeah. about on the show. So yeah, and very. Um, you know, if, okay. I know we don't normally do further watching for the things we've watched, but um, something like Andy Lau's um, "A Simple Life" with yeah. uh, with uh, um, the An Hui film with him and uh, Danny Ip are very 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 similar feel to that. You know, it's about it's about generations, it's about life, it's about death, it's about the cycle, it's about families. It's um, yeah, it's I I I was blown away by was it last year or was it the year before i can't remember now <laughs> this this last year just seems to be a blur mate i think it was last year and i think it was my film of the year it, you know yeah because this came out in 2019 it, so yeah it made me laugh it made me cry you know these all the things that a film should do and i can't say more you know if you know aquafina from her rap if you know aquafina from crazy rich asians if you know aquafina from oceans eight hmm you don't know Aquafina <laughs> because because you haven't met this subdued, observing, delicate version of her that that I don't think I I just wasn't expecting to be in her whatsoever. You know, she is so brash, she is so loud, um, and you know, and and this is yeah, it's just a remarkable performance and. Uh, it's a shame it wasn't recognised more at the Oscars, frankly. No, it got really uh, snubbed. I mean, this I was trying to place which year this fell into the sort of categories because I know it got nominated. It got a nod for uh, best foreign language film at the BAFTAs, 
But the got some um, Golden Globe stuff as well. Yeah, but in the, the Academy just Academy. ignored it for whatever reason. I don't yeah. understand why, especially when I look at look at what was up there. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the year that the favorite won Best Picture. No, it was last year. It was when Parasite won. Was it? Was it up against yeah. Parasite? I don't. Didn't even get nommed. Didn't even get nommed <coughs> for Best Film. Mm. Um, and obviously, you haven't yet seen Parasite, but but uh, I think I, I I'll be surprised if you like Parasite more than you liked A Simple Life. No, not Simple Life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know what you mean. The, um, the farewell. But yeah, I mean the farewell. There's so many moments I really enjoyed. I mean, basically, any time this family sit around the dinner table, it's absolute magic on the screen. And when they're at the shrine as well. Um, it was just uh, it's just so funny seeing the family argue when he's talking about the way he's smoking cigarettes for the uh, grandfather and he's sort of like he but he quit he's like no he never quit he just didn't tell you um, <laughs> and also I learned that uh, that Chinese in that uh, they still have professional mourners in China I never mm. knew that I thought it was just a Roman thing that you know it's a sign of your sign your status or whatever you hire professional mourners um, which has got me just got a whole other line of investigation now where I can find like busty maidens to coffin jump, but uh, <laughs> I'd th- yeah, I can I mean, totally I'm... get behind this line of uh, thinking. Definitely. <laughs> what, what what it reminded me? I know that there's there's um that there's a achingly awfully gruesome wedding that happens <laughs> as part of the I mean that, that that so one of the things that they do to sort of take the grandmother's well to avoid telling the grandmother that um uh that, that she's dying is that they get one of her grandchildren to basically get married <laughs> a bit ahead of schedule yeah because they want and, they basically want to hide the fact why all the family suddenly turned up and they, they figure that right. by having this wedding uh, even though this like, poor guy has only been going out with his girlfriend for like three months, yeah. <laughs> that uh, this is going to be like the perfect cover. And but, when you got the but, grandmother there, like saying, "Oh, the bride, she doesn't look happy enough," and like <laughs> commanding this elaborate photo shoot is just brilliant. Yeah, but it reminded me we've seen these scenes before at like Jewish <laughs> weddings and other other sort of ethnic weddings before mm. and i don't think we've seen the chinese version before and actually what it showed you is is that we're all the bloody same you know it's for, for every difference there's something saying yeah i've been there i've been to that wedding <laughs> i you know yes okay we don't have red packets and maybe different yeah. you know there's different hierarchies of of who's in charge of what but it was it was quite telling it wasn't like going to the zoo and seeing something odd and different. It was like going to the wedding itself and saying, yeah, this is just like every wedding I've ever been to as well. It's just remarkable for that. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, and what I will say is, and I think I said this before, I'm not convinced not telling people they're going to die is a Chinese tradition. I think that might just be in her family. Because Chinese people have a very different relationship, well, well sort of Asians in general have a very different relationship with death than we do in the West. And that, that seems a very Western view to hide it from someone rather than um, sort of accept it and prepare for it. it some, something felt a bit off there when you think about all the festivals and other things on TV and film that we've watched that, that are interested in death. But I don't know if we've got any Chinese people who listen. 
I know, we, know. I know. I'm trying to remember that because um, we obviously had a in discussion when we covered this over on Movies and Tea. Mm. Kim obviously being her family's from Hong Kong, so she's able to fill me in on sort of like the cultural background of, uh, of, of of Chinese culture in regards to you know funerals and deaths and and paying tribute and whatnot. I mean, certainly with the wedding sequences, again, it just because it reminded me so much of Ang Lee's wedding banquet, because, again, that's about throwing this elaborate banquet to celebrate a phony wedding. Um, so there's many sort of things that would seem familiar. There is also a scene where they got, um, they're sitting around a table, and they got the table rotates. And I was like, I so need that table. But apparently this is a thing that uh, people, this is pretty common, and I've just never seen it because I live out in the sticks. So Yeah, so like it's a, it's a giant lazy Susan. It is basically, but the table's rotating on its own. Nobody's yeah. moving it. I just thought, so it's kind of like um, being at Yo Sushi, but it's a circle. Yeah. <clears throat> Have you never been to a Chinese restaurant? I've been to a Chinese restaurant, but again, as I said, we down in Cornwall and whatnot, we don't, we, <laughs> you don't have this. You have to move stuff yourself. You don't have it on a rotating platform. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's super common, but I have seen it before. Okay. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, big thumbs up for the uh, farewell, and obviously you can uh, you can check that out when we will put a link up to the episode when it appears over on Movies and Ting, where we are currently wrapping up uh, production season six. So um, it will be um, somewhere down the line. We will be make sure to highlight that so you can all listen to a more in depth uh, breakdown of that there. Um, but yeah, that's currently it at the moment. I mean, I've got things lined up that I really want to see. I mean, I've got like Okja, I still really need to watch as well. And um, I've got to finish watching the Blackpink documentary on Netflix. Yeah, I was hoping to have watched that this week to bring to the show as well. Um, but then I, I reviewed White Snake, so yes, we'll probably both talk about that next episode. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've seen, as I said, I've seen the first thirty minutes or so, and then suddenly not life came on, and I had to go and pretend to tidy the kitchen so I can watch that because <laughs> my wife hates Saturday Night Live. Um, but yeah. Um, that's basically what I've been watching at the moment. I've got a few other bits and pieces, as I said. Um, Food Wars Season 2 is now on Netflix, so I've been enjoying that. And I'm Season 1, so um, both those shows are are really good as well. Um, it's just basically working in amongst everything else that people want you to watch, like The Boys and stuff I just finished as well. So I'm hoping, now I've wrapped that up, I can now free up some more space to get back into my anime shows. But we will see when we uh, obviously come back on the next episode. Um, anything else you want to talk about, Stephen? I don't think so. I think that's me covered. I think I, I'm very proud of myself bringing two movies to the show. I know. It's uh, <laughs> pretty shocking for us both to have seen, seen, uh, so, seen so much in between episodes. You know, gone are those days where we had the luxury of like a month between episodes, so. <laughs> I know, right? You'd have thought being in lockdown again would have um, would have helped us watch more, but yeah. no. <laughs> Just find more ways to kill time. Joe, um, as always, if you want to let us know what you've been watching, please let us know. Where you can uh, follow us both on Facebook and Instagram, and. Um... Yeah, just let us know what uh, what you've been watching. We always love to hear the recommendations from you guys, especially things that you want us to be checking out on the show. And um, wherever you happen to be listening to us, please do hit the like and subscribe button and uh, leave us a review as it all helps to raise the profile of the show. And you can obviously check out our full archive episodes at Moose and Tea Pod. Uh, sorry. 
our full archive episodes at asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com um, and on there you can also uh, send us a message as well if you prefer to do that instead but um, should we get on to our feature review instead? go on then let's do okay, it okay turn the fire up the projector it's project A time Okay, uh, so Project A is probably renowned as one of uh, Jackie Chan's most sort of standout films, released in 1983, uh, starring both Sammo Hung and Yang Biao, his, uh, two of his regular collaborators. Uh, the film itself... Um, was uh, also released under the title of Pirate Patrol. Uh, Jackie Chan intentionally given it a more obscure title because he felt that people, if he named it sort of like a real sort of obvious um, title, then people would know instantly what the film's about. And he wanted people to not go into film not knowing what to expect. So he was uh, playing against the usual sort of type of his earlier movies when things such as like Snake in the Eagle's Shadow and Drunken Master, which basically highlighted what you were going to see in those movies. And and people then copy them and rip them off before he's even got the film out. That's that's the yes. Thing, I mean, it was obviously the fear that if people knew it was a film about pirates, that uh, the studios would start rushing out movies about pirates. Which I mean, in the Hong Kong film system, is more of a danger than like the Hollywood studio system. Where it takes forever and a day for anything to get going, um, and it's kind of like a minor coincidence if you get like two volcano movies out in the same year. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Movies, it's really yeah. surprising. Um, it's always a bonus if they're both good, like Dante's Peak and Volcano. Or uh, I was going to say the same for like Deep Impact, but Deep Impact's not good at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but we talked about this before, didn't we? In the um, in the Bruce Lee episode um, that we did, that uh, you you know you've you've got to move quickly because as soon as someone one, you know, as soon as Golden Harvest here, what you're up to, Shaw Brothers will have one out, and somebody else will have one out, and suddenly your um, your unique idea has been stolen from you. So yeah, this one, yeah, pro- 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 Project A is a fairly nondescript title that's vaguely <laughs> referenced in the film, but actually, well, we'll talk about that later. But it, yeah, pirates. It is. It's not even that really, is it? <laughs> it's Coast Guard. Uh, yes. Yeah, so basically, the film. Itself, it sees Jackie Chan playing Sergeant Dragon May, who's part of the um, Hong Kong Navy, who are currently in a battle to suppress the local pirates who've been raiding ships for months. At the same time, they're also battling with the Hong Kong police force, who have basically created this real strong inter-service rivalry. And um, this uh, leads up to a huge bar fight, um, and then leading to all the sailors are basically released her from duty and signed up to join the police instead it's uh through here that uh dragon maiden covers a plot being carried out by a local corrupt businessman who's in league with the pirates teaming up with his uh friend here played by samuel hung fei who's uh basically um a thief and uh and ultimately uh teaming up with young biao's um uh, 
who's the nephew of the police captain, to take down the police, uh, take down the pirate chief. Um, this film is probably best known for the clock tower drop, based on um, the movie Safety Last, um, from starring. And uh, at the same time, it's very sort of reminiscent of like the comedies of both like Buster Keaton and Howard Lloyd. Um, seeing Chan feature a lot of physical comedy in this, and for myself, there's many moments in this that also made me think of like um, Pedicab Driver as well, the Summer Hung movie, especially when you like look at the bar fight sequence. Mm. But um, had you seen this one before, Stephen? So no, so this was my choice. And I've been desperate to do a Jackie Chan film, especially as we, you know, we broke we broke our Bruce Lee virginity, didn't we? So we we needed to bring Jackie Chan in after fifty mm. odd episodes. Um, and I was going to choose Police Story, which is a film I love and I'm very um, very aware of. But I've I, I'd never seen Project A, and actually I got the Eureka Blu-ray of Project A and Project A Part Two a few weeks ago, a few months ago now probably. Time is just who knows anymore. And I thought, well, this would be an excuse to force me to watch it. So I was aware of it. I was obviously aware of the um, of the sort of safety last Buster Keaton homage. Um, that's on numerous clips and showreels, isn't it? Of uh, but 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 I didn't. I had never seen it in context of 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 the movie itself. Um, so. And, and then I was obviously excited because you'd introduced me to Sammo Hung in Pedicab Driver and, and to see them both together would be would have been, I thought, would have been interesting and a fun romp to watch. Yeah, I want to see The Lucky Stars, which is uh, consists of Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung and Yang Biao. Mm. Um, the three of them hit together. I mean, this wasn't the only film that they done, done together. I mean, they also did like Meals on Wheels um, as well, which is another real sort of standout uh, title as well, but Certainly, we've seen Young Biao and Summer Hung um, together when we looked at Eastern Condors. And at the same time, uh, this film also features uh, Dick Way, who plays uh, the Pirate Chief Sampo, who would um, himself, he was a Taekwondo master and uh, also did a lot of like the fight, fight training for uh, Eastern Condors as well. So, uh, in particular, teaching Summer Hung's wife um, to. He handled like her fight training for that film. So Joyce uh, Godzinski. Yes. Yeah, I mean this film. It's really sort of like Mark real sort of returned to form because at this point in Chan's career, I mean he tried to go over to Hollywood and tried to be- sort of break out as a star over there, kind of like we're doing the reverse of what Bruce Lee did, where Bruce obviously went over to to like Hong Kong and made uh, films then came back to America as a star and Jackie Chan was coming from Hong Kong as this big star already and then trying to break into America and he did films like Cannibal Run and Battle Creek Brawl and they were both commercially disappointing and didn't really give him the sort of breakout that he needed so he came back given like full control being he was obviously directing the film and obviously had the backing and Golden Harvest behind him and did this film a uh, period piece but with a strong focus on the action element which had been lacking in his two previous pieces such as like the young master which had been again commercially disappointing because they'd sort of lacked the real sort of action element so here again he taps into that sort of period piece and he's also putting in the big action scenes and i think with this sort of state era of uh, chance film making this is really where he's sort of 
really getting that sort of reputation for blending the stunt work with the fight choreography. And we really start to see some of like his really sort of standout films being produced. As I said, we got this, we got Meals and Wheels, and you got Police Story. Um, all around the sort of same sort of era, really. So, and of course he's directing as well. So that which is the other side of it. You know, he's he's being given uh, the ability to to put his vision on the screen. Although, you know, I wouldn't say he's a visionary director by any means. No, I mean, uh, at the same, you say that, but at the same time, Chan has this like Kubrick obsession for perfectionism. Uh, when it comes to like how fight scenes look, and it's not unheard of for him to like do like thirteen takes of a a particular scene, and that, oh, at least oh for sure. In terms of in terms of like fight choreography and stuff like that, of course. But in terms of oh no, everything else, else is just like, pretty standard. Like... <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's not it's not it's not painful. It's not terrible, but it's it's. You wouldn't look at something necessarily and say, "Oh, that's that's a that's a Jackie Chan type shot." You know? No, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. In the in the in the action choreography, of <coughs> course, he's um he's he's up there. Yeah, definitely. So, and there's so many. I think with Chan obviously having the freedom as the director, it gives him the sort of freedom to work with his team because he obviously works with the Jackie Chan stunt team to put together these sort of sequences. And when you look at the fight scenes in this film. The action is so tightly choreographed. Like, every move... It's kind of like you're watching Lauren Hardy, but the Lauren Hardy did Kung Fu. Every move connects to another move. It's sort of like nothing's ever sort of wasted or there for this sort of like the flamboyantness. It's sort of like when you look at when they're like in the bar fight sequence and they're like picking up objects and it's sort of like everything's got a real sort of flow. It's sort of like this guy does that and he does that and it's... Um... Yeah, it's it's choreographed. It's... It's it's like a it's like a yeah. dance, a ballet, uh, a, a, a musical number. It, it's not no, nothing. There's there's an economy to it, and and everything leads to everything else. And there's this kinetic quality. But like you say, it's not just about people hitting. No, it's. I think again, it really taps into that background that both you know these three actors, uh, Jackie Chan, Sam Hung, and Young Biao, had because they came up from the background in Chinese opera. So when you look at these sort of fight sequences, it very feels very similar in the style. When we compare it to the like the likes of Jet Li and Donnie Yen, who obviously came from more sort of traditional sort of fighting background, and we look at a film such as like Once Upon a Time in China Two, the fight scenes are completely different. It's more just all about sort of like the style and the flamboyance of like look what I can do. Uh, yeah, that's a, that. That feels like a more sort of mano a mano, people taking on and showing off their skills against yeah. each other, in in written inside a a, a narrative. And um, whereas this feels more like part of the narrative. This is in, yeah. It's... I think this is again with the when you look at Chance Moose in this this year, he's always like looking at the environment. It's sort of like, well, what can I use around me? It's sort of like I can. I can uh, sort of like do with the bicycle and we see it in the bicycle chase sequence in particular I think it's really fantastic just how that one particularly flows and he's like going down the the alleyway and he picks up the broom handle and he uses it to joust a guy he bangs on the door and it's sort of like this series of events that's happening and then at the end he uh, when he jumps his bicycle and of course the seat's missing because we have that comedic beat because it's a Chan movie he likes to keep everything really light it's not like 
Um, as I said, he's not like Jet Li and Bruce Lee, where it's sort of like all about the power and the impact. It's all like where you punch the uh, guy and he's got like the big blood spurt or whatnot. And with Chan, it's sort of like more slapsticky when it comes to the actual fight scenes. I mean, yeah. That, 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 I mean, and, and the famous scene, you know, that, that's based on a bus, and he is, he is the heir <coughs> to the Buster Keaton, the Harold Lloyd, you know, those, those, those films, those silent films from sort of the 20s, 30s, 40s, <coughs> were immaculately designed, you know, nothing, nothing happened, not a, not a, not a nod, not a bend, not an anything happened without it being fundamental to the telling of the story, and you're absolutely right, the sort of, the, People talk about the clock tower scene. People might talk about the fight scenes and things like that. But that bicycle chase scene is is brilliantly set up. And not just the, the scene down the alley you talk about. Like, yeah, the, the guy gets jousted <laughs> off and then he knocks on a door. and The guy opens the top half of the door at just the right time to knock someone else off the bike. But there's other things as well. Like the guys that are chasing him go around in threes. And when they turn their bikes around, they all do it in perfect <laughs> unison. And this is all by design because he's aping these kind of visual comedians from the past and this isn't coming from i don't think this is coming from anything particularly um chinese obviously slapstick exists and we talked again we talked about this well we'll, we'll, yeah i'm just crossing the streams in our different shows here but (laughs) (laughs) there's an episode of the battle royale where we talk about slapstick (laughs) um but um yeah, it's you know obviously slipping on a banana, that kind of slapstick is funny in all languages, but Chan is clearly looking at a much further back playbook, and he's about it. it, it it's all about timing and about vision. Um, again, as opposed to fighting skill. I'm not saying he can't fight. I'm sure he could knock us both out still with one hand tied behind his back. But that's not the that's not the joy of what he brings to the screen. Well, when we were actually filming the bicycle chase sequence, he got wind of the fact that the finale of E.T. also features a bicycle chase sequence. So we actually went to see E.T. just to make sure that the scenes weren't the same and basically came away more confident realising that, you know, what they were doing was completely different to what Spielberg was doing in E.T., so... Um, Spielberg, of course, having kids on steroids apparently because they can outcycle people in a car. Yeah, <laughs> can't you? <laughs> <laughs> Not currently, that's for sure. No, um, but yeah, no, that is. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm glad you picked that up because I'm not going to lie. I found this film a real slog okay. to watch. I. I've watched it three times in the past week, um, and f- you know maybe I've been tired or something. Like that, but you know I've been distracted the first time, the second time I kind of fell asleep in the middle, and the third time I watched it from beginning to end. And I'm not saying it's not enjoyable, but I find it. I'm, I didn't find it as engaging as a story. I didn't find the characters as interesting. I've got a ton of questions I'm going to ask okay. in a minute. But I did find the set pieces fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I have no idea. What's the relationship between Sammo Hung's character and Jackie Chan's? Are they old friends? 
At first, I'm aware they are old old friends. Uh, basically, where Jackie went into joining the the navy, he went off to become a thief. Whatever that whatever that means, he seems to be more. Yeah, I mean man, he's. Charms, the so. fact that you've got uh, Tubby Samuel Hunk, who's apparently this this master thief, uh, but he's more, it, it it's I think it's just a way he's kind of more like Huggy Bear in Starskin in uh, Starskin. <laughs> he's like the guy on the streets, but he he's a pimp. <laughs> no, I know what you mean that, but do you know what I mean? That that relationship isn't really explained, and maybe it's something that's lost in translation. Other than his character's called Fat. <laughs> oh my god, another one where it's, you know his main character trait is that he's fat. But yeah, I, 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 I guess there was something between them. But I didn't think it was made awfully clear. Um, there's another bit. Um, Yumbo's character is the, is the nephew, isn't he, of, of the guy yeah, in charge of the police. Yeah, he's the nephew of the police captain. And and that wasn't made awfully clear as well. And then, oh, they got all very friendly very quickly. And then I didn't really understand if Summer Hung was working with them or against them. And again, I just don't think it really meshed as a film. I didn't really understand the story, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of these these Jackie uh, <coughs> movies, the stories aren't particularly good. But you go for the the actual set pieces. And I think this is what people tend mm. to remember more. And this is the thing, because the set pieces are so good, you don't really care about the bits yep. in between. Like, again, I keep yeah. going back and forth to that uh, that bar fight sequence. And there's a scene where Yum Biao and Jackie Chan are, like, hitting each other with chairs, and they both go around a corner, and they're both like, oh! <laughs> but they're, like, putting this tough guy persona on in front of each other. Um Oh yeah, because they're both in absolute agony, <laughs> <laughs> and they're hiding behind different sides of a pole, going, "Oh my god, oh it's you, yes, <laughs> yes, it's fantastic, um, yeah." And this is like a, there's a scene where he like goes to it. They go, one of the uh, sailor goes to break like these glass bottles, but they don't shatter correctly; they just disintegrate in his hands. And there's lots of the fun mm. little bits. And again, it just brings it back to that opening fight scene in Pedicab Driver, where you've got the rival cabbies. Um, battling each other, and they like you know they bring out the light tubes and they're doing like the lightsaber fight at the start and that. So mm, yeah. Oh, but there, there was another bit as well. Yeah. So sort of we set up this this conflict between the coast guards and the police, yeah. and there's a conflict both amongst the sort of the enlisted men and and the and the higher ups, and the strange, in, clearly English, head of. I don't know, was he like the governor of Hong Kong or something like that? But he's got a Chinese name. But he's clearly a white man. Very weird. But, you know, he's sort of playing off these guys together. And then suddenly they talk about... Um, and suddenly, yeah, they're going off. They're about to go off to fight these pirates who are terrorising the islands around Hong Kong. And then we cut to a really bad piece of model work where some ships get blown up in the harbour. And then we just cut to the fact, and now the Coast Guard are gone. And it's these things which sort of show Chan up. Is that is this is sort of these linking segments? They're just very quick, very sudden, and 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 it's a shame because the action, you know, that the, there are moments of genius in this film, and just it doesn't quite for me string it together very well. Even the um, 
What's the other thing? Yeah, one of the guys says, yes, this is my pro this is my plan. It's called Project A. And basically his plan is to buy more boats and enlist more <laughs> men. And Project A is never, never um, talked of again. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's cut down by this head of the uh, head of the island, the head of the security of the island that the governor or whatever he is sort of basically says, yeah, that's not going to happen. Anything more. <laughs> but they've had to sort of, they've sort of crowbarred this this title, which we all know was, you know, as you just explained at the beginning of, of, of this piece, that, you know, it's just a, it was just a, a title to hide what the film was really about. And sort of, it's just weird. I don't know. But I guess we've talked about, you know, this golden age of Hong Kong cinema is very thrown together it's very gonzo isn't it it's um it's very yeah i mean it's got know, a real sort of disposable sort of entertainment feel to it um and i think it's as it's just a sort of talent to these 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 three performers that sort of like really make it sort of stand out and i say that but um, dick way as well is also a phenomenal f performer and manages he did actually get uh injured during the filming of the film in the scene where uh summer hung kicks him in the back during the big finale mm. which might also explain why he ends up just being wrapped in a, a carpet and blown up with a grenade rather than having a um that sort of big final uh moment where he's he's defeated <laughs> yeah Probably, probably didn't want to. <laughs> couldn't do anything else after getting kicked in the back. <laughs> yeah, so it's like just that. <laughs> I mean, if you're obviously familiar with these these three actors, I think this film really sort of plays to all those sort of styles. I mean, obviously, Jackie does the the acrobatic sort of uh, stump work bits and pieces, and you see it right from the beginning when he like hops off his bicycle. Which I have to say, did you notice the bicycle just like basically annihilates itself when it parks? <laughs> oh, well, the first when he first goes to work, uh, yes, he gets jumps off it and it, and it, it, it falls to pieces, smashes over the um, the bicycle stand, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and um, obviously Chan being a younger man here, he's not his old old selfie is now, but he's basically broken every bone in his body, and you see like just how fleeting of it, like his footwork is. He's like when he goes up on the banister as he's making his way across. He's got such like cat-like precision with his like uh, his, his footwork and that is just incredible to watch him go. Um, obviously, Summer Hunk, he's you know he does his usual thing. He's the little fat guy who does amazing things, and Yan Biao being the you know good at the flippy stuff, <laughs> which um, he does less of in this film. I think he did more in like when we saw Eastern Condors. He did did more there. Here he's sort of like a lot more sort of grounded, but he's really good opposite Jackie Chan certainly. Yeah, he's probably get, get, get the least to do of the three in this, I, I I think. Oh, the other thing I did like is, what's the password? I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some good. There's some good. Yeah, what this film actually does doesn't have is you know that that old flaw of the old Stephen Chow film where you jokes don't translate. Mm. Because you know, but verbal jokes don't tend to translate. But the verbal jokes here do translate, and because it's slapstick, because it's physical humour, it's it's funny because it just is funny, <laughs> rather than having to be able to speak Cantonese yeah. or something like that. So that 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 that's to its credit. Um, as well. Did you watch the dub or the sub of this one? I watched okay. the sub. 
I think I've only got the sub on the on the Blu-ray. I had a really questionable dub version, which I can't remember where I got, but basically the opening credits look like you're watching like <laughs> Raymond Charles pirated version. It's like it's like the oh, most right. cheapest sort of like title, like um, you know when you used to make like your home videos on your computer, and it's like you mm. know <laughs> the uh, Palmer's trip to Disneyland, and it's. Do it in like the really crappy yeah. clip art font. That's basically the font they use at the start here. And they also cut out the blooper reel at the end. It's just a black screen with the credits. Oh, that's a shame. Because no, no. The, so the Eureka, the Eureka Blu-ray is oh, really good. good. It's um, it's got it's got both films on it um, and some extra features. Unfortunately, it's got a Tony Raines um, who over talks things. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> bless him. If you get <laughs> bless him. If you have the uh, Hong Kong Legends ones, that. you get the Bay Logan track, but obviously Bay Logan's, you know, dead to us all now. Yeah, not to be, um, not 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 to ever be spoken about again. No, it's really nice. It scrubs up really. You know, it's it's not really 4K. It's like a 2K <coughs> thing. Um, um, so it scrubs up really well. The music doesn't sound all like wobbly <laughs> or anything like that. So it's it's a really nice set, especially because it's got both films mm. on it. Um, but. It's not, you know, it's not like some of the Arrow ones that we've seen where they they'll do all the fifteen different versions. But you do get, yeah, you do get the um, that blooper, which apparently Chan picked up from being on Cannonball yeah. Run. That, that's where he got the idea from, and Japanese people loved it so much that they demanded they have it in all their films. They inc- demand the inclusion of uh, NGs or no good shots. In the distribution contract <laughs> yeah. for Jackie Chan films, regardless of the director, so the same way that you yeah. can't edit a Ghibli movie, um, you you a Jackie Chan movie must have bloopers at the end of it. Yeah, and and fair play, and boy, that fall did hurt. Didn't <laughs> he did it twice. Well, look, I think he might have done it three times. I was looking at Love H. Film.com's okay. review of it, and they're suggesting it was three times because the the shot in the NGs is a different take altogether. <laughs> yeah, basically with the the clock tower fall, which is is now so iconic. The original idea was that Chan was going to go and he was going to drop himself, and he went up there like a couple of times and he just couldn't let go and he just uh, basically said look just keep rolling and I'm going to have to let go eventually and then we'll get the shot so he went up and he obviously hit the canopy but it went wrong and he ended up landing on his neck Um, so the scene he's the actor's basically just uh, carrying an injured Chan off Um, and as you said in the the blooper at the end you get to see the same shot again and it doesn't end well for him either so but um, that's certainly a very iconic sort of shot and it's incredible to watch just Chan seemingly being indestructible as he does like a 70 foot fall uh, I mean yeah what what I mean when Harold Lloyd does it and I don't know if Harold Lloyd I don't quite know the what actually Harold Lloyd was really doing yeah you know I know what it looks like he's doing but but you know you it, it's there's no artifice around this he's literally hanging off Cowling Top Tower <laughs> And he just falls. And there's a couple of sort of fabric canopies and he sort of bounces off one, goes through another and lands on his neck. I mean, yeah, I mean, if he, he could have died very easily. I mean, it's not probably his 
the most bone crunching thing we see him do in some of these things. Is it Armor of God? Is that the one where he goes down the? Oh yeah, Armor God. Yeah, Armor of God is the um, the pole vault stunt which almost killed him because yeah, he's supposed to land on yeah. the edge on the wall, and uh, he ba- he just overshoots it and slipped down, and he managed to. Um, basically crack his skull open and he now has like a metal plate that vibrates when he hums Ooh. now uh in his skull but yeah that's yeah. the one that almost killed him but but you know with this there's no there's no sort of clever camera angles there's no cuts away it's just a man falls off and falls like ragdoll hits the floor <laughs> <laughs> it um yeah his de- dedication to his art I mean, I mean, I don't think this film has the <sighs> police story has these two or three amazing set pieces that just excite and thrill. Um, whereas I think this is more an example. This film is more really well made choreographed yeah. scenes, if that makes sense. Um, th- th- there's nothing. There's nothing like the bus scene here. There's nothing like the, the the coming down that side of that of that hill where the village the, the, through the shanty town is. You know, there's no yeah, which Bad Boys Two ripped off, didn't they? So it did indeed. But you know, it just it's all all to his credit. Um, I feel I feel this is very much Chan's film. I don't feel that there's a you know a, a second unit director that's really in charge of the whole thing here. This is this is his film, and and I think that has you know that has pluses. In the in the in the in the action sequences, and I think it has minuses in in some of the in some of the lacking of linking link linking some of these scenes together. Because, like I say, I watched it three times in a week, and I'm still confused about bits of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, when we look at this film, I mean, Project A was really, I want to say the the start of. Of when we see the, really start to see the iconic so Jackie Chan because before this I mean he's basically just doing very sort of traditional sort of martial arts movies which are all very good I mean Drunken Master is fantastic and Eagle and the Dragon Eagle and the Snake in the Eagle's Shadow is also um, really really fun as well um, it's really as I said with these films that's like 83 onwards which we start to see things because I mean he does Project A he does Meals and Wheels um, in 84 Cannonball Run, which um, I really enjoy, um, both one and two. I think they're both really fun movies, and the kind of movie I wish they were still making now. Yeah, like that it's a mad, bad, 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 bad world and things like that. You know, these sort of these big ensemble casts of, of people. yeah, you know, and and yeah, wacky the whole wacky races, even the cartoon wacky races. You know, there's there's these these sort of films where you just get loads of people together and they might only turn up for five minutes or um and and they're fairly lacking in quality but they're just a huge amount of fun and we don't have films like that anymore um yeah because in uh campbell run 2 they change out um jackie chan's driver to richard keel who um Mm. who played jaws he did um but yeah i mean as i said when we look at all these i mean he has other sort of jaunts into American cinema when he does a protector in 85 which he was again really unhappy with he did his own personal cut of that one as well which um, I believe um, is available for 88 films um, 
And it's mm. worth it's an interesting comparison when you compare it to like the American cut to Jackie Chan's personal cut. So and then obviously in uh eighty five as well he does police story, which uh basically launches him into superstar status with martial arts fans really so yes i mean we're not quite at the sort of when he went back to the states tonight was it the 90s uh well i guess there's rumble in the bronx wasn't there that was made in america but you know i'm thinking of the rush hours and things like that um, um yeah because uh, rumble in the bronx is uh, yeah. 95 mr nice guy is 97 um and then rush hour was 98 Get really late, not that late in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Um, where he formed a really unusual partnership with uh, Chris Tucker. Um, mm. Even even convincing Chris Tucker to uh, to do stunt work when it came to like Rush Hour Two to the point because I mean obviously Jackie Chan's like a, a professional stunt coordinator and stuff, and uh, Tucker was saying that like they would do the scene where they're hanging off the side of the building and Chan's there with like this nice thick cable and he gave like Tucker this really thin cable he's like what's this about why do I have a thin cable for so but there's I can't stand Don't you? Chris Tucker oh, God. when he gets killed quite early on in the Quentin Tarantino film I'm extraordinarily happy I can't remember which film it is he's in but he gets killed and oh Jackie Brown into the boot of a car. Yeah. It's, it's Jackie Brown, isn't it? I can't. Yeah, because he. Pl- the reason I can't stand him is <coughs> at the Fifth Element. <laughs> oh, Fifth Element's great. Oh my God, that noise he makes! Jesus. Do you not know hear oh, the words coming yeah. out of my mouth? <laughs> God, stop it! You're giving me flashbacks <laughs> now. <laughs> You're just basically covered Dallas. So. Mm. <laughs> No, sir, I'm a meat popsicle. I was just thinking, <coughs> have we not... I, I was saying this is our first Jackie Chan film. And you haven't disagreed no, with No, this me. is our first Jackie Chan, because we're original. But in my head, we've covered another one. But we haven't. Because I'm thinking of Rumble in the Bronx now. And that's the one... Is that got like a yeah, boat a or a... Hovercraft. It is yeah. a hovercraft. Yeah, I've got that scene in my head. And I'm thinking. I'm sure we've talked about that before. And I was just going down yeah, all. We talked about um, in the Bronx before because we had that that discussion of whether it would be classed as an Asian cinema because it's obviously an English language, ah, but it's a Hong Kong director with it with uh, major Hong Kong stars in the leading roles. Um, mm. I can't remember who was it that uh, co-stars with in Rumble. I need yes, to that's right. Mm. Um, but yes, just I was just I was just checking that we weren't. Um, yeah, that I wasn't completely miss. Uh, no, we've um, something there, but no. we've talked about a lot of summer movies on this this show completely by accident. Mm. It was never the case that we were just going to become like the Samo cast, um, mm. and by you know by uh, cause and effect we've discussed a lot of young beyond movies as well because he often turns up with Samo so as I say I enjoy this this movie I think it's when you've watched it a couple of times you know kind of what to expect you kind of gloss over the the less perfect parts and just sort of enjoy those those set pieces and as I said the chase sequence mm. I said the bicycle chase sequence the uh, big showdown in the pirate fortress is really fun and the bar fight sequence is again really fun and you can see as I said we're just like <coughs> the amount of time the eye for perfection that's that Chan brings to these sequences compared to 
all the scenes where it's just sort of standard sort of like acting uh where his real sort of focus is and you come to, as i said we consider it you constantly hear these stories of like how he approached everything with like this kubrick desire for perfection like it's you would just do st- things over and over again um and we see in like the outtakes when they're like doing the um scene where he like leaps over the chair and stuff like how many times they do that that scene and we've seen it in uh first strike with the ladder uh fight sequence as well just like how he was like constantly doing that same sequence over and over again mm. i mean i think for me if i was going to put <coughs> together a show reel of jackie chan yeah. moments you'd get two or three out of this film yeah easy yeah, if we were put, uh, in fact, there is a, I think there is a film in there, Jackie Chan, My Stunts or something, isn't there, which literally does that. But, um, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd easily pick the bar and fight, the bicycle sort of sequence, and 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 the bit at the end, like you said. Um, it just doesn't quite grab me. I wonder, I wonder if I'll enjoy it more upon further viewings. And obviously, it's got the it's got the clock tower sequence yeah. in it as well. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know why, just didn't quite resonate with me, which is um, which is a shame because it was my pick. <laughs> it's it's usually, usually I've only got myself to blame, and it's turned out that way again, hasn't it? <laughs> Anything else you want to discuss in this one? No, no, I just I don't want to. I just don't want the audience to think I'm down on it. I'm not down on it. I did yeah. enjoy it. I just found it a bit of a a bit of a chore. But there is so much to enjoy about it. You know, for me, it's a solid seven and a half out of ten. And uh, but yeah, that that doesn't make it a bad film at all. No, um, as I said, it's uh, it's not a perfect movie, but I think it's certainly one of Chan's top tier films. Um, and I think when we talk about Jackie Chan movies, I think it's always with like I said, with the set pieces that you you tend to judge these movies on. Um, which makes police story and I think just the police story movies in general, I think one to four, kind of unique in the fact that the story is actually pretty decent. Mm. <coughs> so it's got obviously got that uh, going for it as well. So it should be noted though that uh, it's thanks to Emperor Shawas funders for the film that um, a sequel got made. As uh, Chan originally had no plans to make a sequel, but it was uh, really just due to uh, Emperor Shawa's fondness for this film that he d- actually went ahead and made a, a sequel. Um, unfortunately, both Sammo Hung and Yun Biao were uh, not available for it because they were off shooting Eastern Condors. So yes, yeah, so I'll be I'll be watching that next before I put the Blu-ray into the pile. <laughs> that how you just organise it? You just have a pile now. By the I I, I have cast it aside piles. like an oyster shell. <laughs> multiple piles and then it'll go into <laughs> a box <laughs> <laughs> it goes into a box well, sorry, so now, it's, now your lounge has turned into like the end of Raiders you're just like yeah, just bit. like some guy like <laughs> wheeling it into a warehouse yeah it, you joke <laughs> but, but but I'm I'm seeing a tower I've got a tower <laughs> of DVDs and Blu-rays I haven't yeah. yet watched and I've got boxes of ones that I have watched, which I will once a year sort of sort out because I've also got things on top of the boxes that need to go away. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. But this has given me the opportunity to clear one down. <laughs> Definitely. The pile's gone down by a centimetre. Good for you. Um, 
I've never interesting fact about this movie. In the dub, the pirate chief um, is voiced by um, Danny Trejo in one of his first roles. Oh, is yeah. it really? <laughs> so if you watch the dub, I don't know if it's on all the dubs, but certainly the dub I had, it's very, I was like, God, why do I recognise that voice? And I realised that it's uh, Danny Trejo. And I think Chan actually does his own dubbing, but he sounds so bored mm. <laughs> when he's doing his, um, his, his voice bit, so... Uh, should we do further viewing them? Uh, yeah, okay. but I'd like you to go first this time because I got a feeling we're going to pick the same films. Probably because <laughs> you've mentioned them already, so I'm going to give you the opportunity, and then I'll come up with a something out of left field at the okay. end. Um, well, obviously, if you enjoy Project A, there is obviously the sequel, Project A Part Two, uh, which uh, sees the return of the pirates this time with Jackie Chan facing them, minus obviously Sam Hung and Young Biao. Um, you can also check out Once Upon a Time in China Part 4 uh, which does not feature Donnie Yen but does feature um, our folk hero battling pirates so I don't know about yourself Stephen it's always fun to see pirates and kung fu together yeah and the, the, there's it happens more often than you think I think isn't it and Swordsman too, aren't there pirates in that as well um, the Bridget Lynn film, the Troy Hark one. I'm pretty certain there's pirates in that as well. But yeah, it's funny. You've you've already picked two of the films. I mean, I haven't seen Project A Part Two, but um, any of the Once Upon a Time in China films I was thinking would work for this period. <coughs> yeah. It's this kind of early 19th century. It's a very British Hong Kong with 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 sort of very British Chinese fusion going on. Um, that, that, that I was I was thinking of sort of a, all, all but the last Once Upon a Time in China films could have could have got on there. What, anything um, else? I mean, obviously looking at uh, Chan's other films, I would recommend checking out Meals on Wheels or Wheels on Meals. Is that right? Wheels on uh, it, it's Wheels, wheels on Meals. Yeah, I know. It's wheels on Wheels. That's, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the uh, food people who deliver microwave meals to old people <laughs> around here uh yes wheels on meals um again reuniting the the free uh free stars of this movie jackie chan sub hung young biao together and also featuring a real standout fight uh with jackie taking on benny the jet uh Elkowitz. uh which um it's something that we've when people talk about like you know the standout movie standout movie fight scenes it's sort of like up there with like Jet Li versus uh, Donnie Yen at the end of Once Upon a Time in China Part 2 it's a real sort of standout sort of sequence there um, and I would also check out um, uh, <coughs> sorry I'm just trying to not choke myself here today um, Armour of God 2 Operation Condor uh, which is a vast improvement mm. over the original um, Armour of God and you don't have to have seen the original one to enjoy it but it's um, it's a fun Romp involving Nazi gold. <coughs> but what about yourself, Stephen? Well, yeah, like I say, I was I was looking at Once Upon a Time in China. <laughs> um, you mentioned the um, the Lucky Stars and My Lucky Stars. There's there's three movies there. It was a Winners and Sinners is the other one, isn't it? With these these three guys in it. Um, I was thinking of Police Story, um, but out of left field Asian pirate movie um, very very different sort of film but the 2014 film by um, who's the director Lee Sukhom called The Pirates starring 
our friend from the classic son yi jin has a it's a bit more um it's a bit more like um cutthroat island than than this oh, that but, sounds um, good. i like cutthroat island but nobody else seems to so. it's um it, it's an okay south korea sort of these mid 20 between 2010 and now sort of summer korean blockbusters that son yi jin seemed to appear in which were which were fine spectacles, but ultimately sort of a bit soulless and heartless. But yeah, it's 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 Asian people dressed up as pirates, and that's clearly a bigger thing than we <laughs> thought it was. <laughs> so yeah, just but that, that's a bit more random. Obviously, I think other things we were pretty much seeing off the same hymn sheet. But no, definitely there's plenty to check out. I mean, any of the the Jackie Chan movies of this sort of era are all really sort of the ones that people tend to reference when they obviously talk about films. In particular, obviously, things like Police Story and Wheels on Meals. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have to think now when I say it. That's the worst. Um, and you can obviously, like, go into... Even when we go into, like, the 90s and things such as, like, City Hunter, there's just a lot of fun stuff from really from this point onwards when... He's not just doing the sort of traditional sort of period pieces. He's just sort of like applying, you know, kung fu to more modern sort of settings and uh, and uh, things as well. So I would definitely uh, say to check that one out as uh, well. But um, yeah, that was obviously Project A. Thank you as always uh, for listening. And um, if you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button and leave us a review as it all helps raise the profile of the show. And you can follow us both on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, Facebook in particular, we've got a real fun group happening over there. We post interesting news pieces and other fun bits and pieces. Um, at the moment, we're posting a lot of film-to-page uh, comparisons for Battle Royale, where which is also the subject of our spin-off podcast, the Battle Royale podcast, where we are breaking down Battle Royale one DVD chapter at a time as we uh, work for the film and uh, drawing comparisons to both the book and the manga um, in what's been a really fun deep dive into a film that we were already obsessed with already so um, how are we going to feel about it by the end of that one I have no idea I assume we'll never want to watch it again (laughs) (laughs) Um, but we shall see yeah so um Okay, so for our next episode, we're going to be revisiting a director that we've covered several times on the show and with very positive results. And hopefully we're going to continue that streak as we look at our the next film by this director. And we're of course talking about Satoshi Kon, and we're going to look at the film Millennium Actress. We're going to have watched everything by Takeshi... Um, by, what's his name Satoshi Kon. Um, That's yeah, the plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because... Yeah, but like... Because we've seen, um, we've watched Perfect we've watched Blue, Blue yeah. and Tokyo Godfathers. And Tokyo Godfathers. Uh, I assume we're going to be watching Paprika at some point. Paprika stage. was, uh, <laughs> I was like inkling on. But I kind of want to save it, Paprika, for the minute. Uh, I haven't seen Millennium Actress, so I am, um, I'm looking forward to Neither this. Neither So this is another reason I wanted to, to cover it, rather than just going with something I've, we've, I've seen before. Um, mm. I would t- we're going to go with uh, Millennium Actress and yes uh, that will be obviously the subject of our uh, that will be on our next episode so hopefully you uh, can all join us and uh, thank you as always uh, for jo- for listening and uh, we will be back next time to talk about Satoshi Khan's Millennium Actress but until then, good night.
This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.